All right, look with me in the book of Romans, Romans chapter 1, and this will be Romans class number 2. In our last class, we went over the book of Romans as an outline. We split it into two portions. We divided the book of Romans into two portions, and then we gave an overview of each chapter, chapter 1 through 16. And so today we'll get into the scripture itself. And remember, when you're taking these classes, when you're going through these classes, that you should be uh, prayed up, that you should have already went and met with the Lord in prayer and asked for His guidance and for His leadership, and then take out your Bible and get ready to learn. Take notes, get your notebook out, take notes, then you'll be able to go back and, and rehash the class on your own time. And the Bible says in Romans chapter 1, verse number 1, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scripture, concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the Spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead, by whom we have received grace and apostleship, for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, among whom are ye also the called of Jesus Christ. To all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll stop reading right there and go back up to verse number one. And we'll try to get through as much of this chapter as we can today. Verse number one, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ. And certainly that's a great way to start out a book here talking to Christians. And he's not just talking to Christians in Rome. Uh, certainly we understand that the book of Romans is written specifically to the people of Rome, the Christians that are in Rome. But we can also certainly see and understand that the scripture is given by inspiration of God and that it's directed to all the Christians in the church age. And so Romans chapter 1, Paul presents himself as Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ. And we ought to remember that at all times. If we're a pastor, we ought to remember that we're a servant. Paul lays these things out. He says he's a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle. And so he gives you his status. He's a servant. He's not a lord and master, uh, even though he has great power. He has great influence. He has a, a great authority in the gospel. Uh, just as there are people alive today who have great authority in the gospel. They have high positions. A man that is a pastor has a high position. A man that's a Bible teacher has a high position. A man that is an evangelist it has a high position. But yet, no matter how high our position is, we ought to still realize that we're all servants of a, of a greater master. And he says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ. And certainly that is the head of the church, Jesus Christ. The head of the church, the king of kings, the prince of peace. Now, none of us have any moniker like prince or king or any such thing as that. Paul is a servant of Jesus Christ first. As a servant, he was called. Paul was not, uh, Paul was not uh, promoted to apostle before he became a servant. You first are willing to become a servant and you begin to serve and then you gain a, 
direction from God from that point, from the point of being a servant. So Paul mentions this first, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, and then Paul mentions his discipline, separated unto the gospel of God. Now, I really want to talk about that for just a few minutes. He's uh, called to be an apostle, and he's separated unto the gospel of God. Now, look in 2 Corinthians chapter number 6. 2 Corinthians chapter number 6 and verse number 17. God says, Wherefore come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Almighty. Now, Paul is... Uh, giving a quotation from the Old Testament and he's uh, teaching a lesson here about separation verse 16 what agreement hath the temple of God with idols the answer is none for ye are the temple of the living God then you shouldn't have any association with idols and so he says as God hath said this is why I say he's quoting the Old Testament God hath said I will dwell in them and walk in them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Wherefore come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. So the Old Testament uh, call to the Israelites to be a separate people is also a call to the New Testament Christian to separate from the things that had you in bondage to separate from the things that was destroying your life, to separate from the things that caused death, the wages of sin is death, separate from that life of death, the bondage of death, the bondage of sin, separate from that thing, uh, from those things. And that certainly is a legitimate command. If you uh, pay much attention to that command and you begin to separate yourself from things, then those around you will no doubt begin to call you a legalist or a Pharisee. But make no mistake about it, God has called His Christian children out from this world to be separate people, to be separated from the evil, to be separated from the darkness. If the blood of Jesus Christ broke the power of darkness and cleansed us from our sins, then certainly it's reasonable to think that a Christian ought to have a desire uh, to be better, to do better. Uh, and you can make arguments about there's none good and none of us could be better or none of us can be any good. But there's plenty of scripture that points us to the fact that we are more than conquerors. Well, the question you have to ask yourself is conquer what? Other people? Other religions? Uh, are we to conquer governments? Are we to conquer like that? No, we're more than conquerors because there is a world of principalities and powers who Christ has gained the victory over by dying on the cross, by suffering for us the penalty of sin, and that we can, as a new creature in Christ Jesus, overcome the powers of darkness in our life and that we can serve God and serve God in righteousness. And so that's very clear from the scripture. And we certainly will teach those uh, lessons when we get to other passages of scripture. But I wanted to point this out because it says that we're to separate. He says, be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. So in that sense, you're separating from. But 
it can be it can be very uh, a very futile operation to try to separate from the things of this world without replacing it. If you're going to try to separate from the things of this world and you're not going to replace the things that you've separated from, you're going to have a very difficult time in your boredom. You're going to have a very difficult time in your inactivity in staying away from those things that you've tried to leave behind. And that's why Paul says here in Romans chapter 1, separated unto the gospel of God. The Bible tells us and the Lord tells us in the gospels, he said, when the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places. And then what that spirit does is it returns and it finds the man that it left swept. There has been a cleanup taking place and garnished there's this man does not only clean things out but he's dressed things up a little bit and he looks better and he's cleaner than he was when the unclean spirit went out but the bible says it's empty swept and garnished so this empty place this unclean spirit gets seven more unclean spirits, more unclean than itself, and comes back into that empty place. And the last state of that man is worse than the first state of the man. So he was filthy, and then he got clean, and the unclean spirit went out. And he didn't replace that with anything. He, in the place of the wickedness that that unclean spirit had led him to do, he replaced it with nothing. He just cleaned up, went about his business, and didn't take up any other objectives, any other purposes. And so Paul says here that he is separated unto the gospel of God. You must have a purpose. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2 speaks very much about the purposes of God. And so a Christian must have a purpose. Paul's calling to be an apostle is Uh, certainly a great calling it's certainly a high calling but without dedication without that separation without dedicating yourself to it without making it the chief without making your calling the chief priority of your life then you're opening yourself up to more danger than you were living in before you even uh, were washed. Even uh, more danger than you were in before you were cleansed to begin with. And so that's a very great lesson that we can learn here in Romans chapter 1 and verse 1. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. Now since we're reading that verse about that calling... Let's go down to Romans number uh, Romans 1 verse 6 and it says among whom are ye also the called of Jesus Christ to all that be in Rome beloved of God called to be saints so we all are the called of Jesus Christ and we're all called to be saints and a part of that sainthood a part of that Christian life a part of that life as a child of God a part of that life as someone who has identified 
as one of the family of God, one of the servants of God. And that's what, uh, I mean, boiled down into a fine poison, that's what a saint is. He's separated. He is someone who is God's child. He is God's servant. He is on God's side. And so he says we're all called to be that, to all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints. And in verse 6 he said, ye also, he said, among whom are ye also the called of Jesus Christ. So we all have our calling. We all have a purpose. Even the Christian who just is converted, the man who got saved today, the man who asked Christ into his heart today has a purpose today. He may not know everything that he needs to know. He certainly has to grow. He certainly has to learn. He certainly has to go through discipleship. But one thing he knows is that he's saved and that he can tell someone else about that. And even in the process of telling someone about that, perhaps he won't know everything and perhaps questions will be asked of him that he don't know the answer to. But I just contend that that's, that that's motivation to go back and get in the Word of God and study. If you got saved today, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. If you got saved today, then today is the time to become a saint. Today is the time to become a servant. Today is the time to become a disciple. Today is the day. If you got saved today, don't wait six years to become a servant. Do that the day you get saved. And answer the call. Uh, when God sends out the call of salvation, He sends a preacher, preaches the Word of God. The Holy Spirit deals with your heart. It is the preaching it is the Word of God. It is the seed placed in your heart by the Word of God. It's the Holy Spirit's pleading and convicting and convincing that leads and draws a man to call on him for salvation. Once that takes place and you've answered that call for salvation, then immediately answer the call for service. You may not be able to be a pastor tomorrow, but you can be a servant tomorrow. And you can be led by God tomorrow. A Christian who is saved today can be led by God today. And that's the great thing about Christianity. And so he says, uh, back up in verse 1, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. Now, that's a, a parenthetical statement there in verse number 2. Our brother Paul is the king of run-on sentences and parenthetical statements. So he says, he mentions it. Uh, in passing here, he mentions it as a parenthetical statement that God had promised uh, by the prophets the gospel that Paul was called to. Separate unto the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by the prophets. In other words, Paul is telling you that the prophets were writing about the gospels. Now, Paul will go on and we'll look at some places here, Colossians 1. And uh, some different places like that. But let's look in, uh, let's start in Colossians chapter 1 and see what God says about how these prophets spoke about the gospel. Colossians chapter number 1. Uh, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Colossians chapter 1. Verse number 24, who now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church, whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Even the mystery, 
And now this is a reference to that word of God. Even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints. So Paul is saying that there's a dispensation here. There's an order. There's an arrangement that God has given to him for your benefit. And he says the preaching, the teaching, the things that Paul is supposed to be relating to you from God is going to be a fulfillment. The teachings that Paul is teaching, the doctrines that Paul is espousing, is going to open up the promises of the, of the Old Testament in such a way that the Old Testament uh, writers didn't even fully understand. Even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints. So the the phrase in verse 25, to fulfill the word of God, and the phrase in verse 26, now is made manifest to his saints, those are synonymous phrases. They mean the same thing. They're talking about the same thing. One of those phrases explains the other, and it makes no difference which one. One will explain the other, and the other explains the other, if you can understand what I'm trying to say. Whereof I am made a minister, according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you, to fulfill the word of God. Well, what is the fulfillment of the word of God? The fulfillment of the word of God is the mystery, which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints. The Old Testament prophets were preaching, they were writing, they were prophesying of things to come, things that weren't fully understood in their day, but now these doctrines that Paul is preaching, the doctrines that Paul is writing, is a fulfillment of those things. And we can also look in uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, and then we'll go back over to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. But first, 1 Peter chapter number 1 and verse number verse number 10. Of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently. So the prophets were looking, trying to figure out what was going on. What, what is this thing that we're writing about? And the Bible says that these prophets prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. Of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently. Who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. Searching what? Or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand of the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. So when they were writing about those things, they didn't understand about a cross to come. A lot of times you'll hear this idea of looking forward to the cross. Well, when the cross showed up, nobody understood it. When Christ spoke of a cross before his death, people didn't understand. They, they were not looking for this because they, di they didn't have the ability to understand those things uh, as it was being given to them in the Old Testament. Again, he says, uh, unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, but unto us they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look unto. Paul's statement about fulfilling the word of God and making these things manifest to you is what he's saying in verse 12. He says, which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look unto. So it's basically saying the passage we read in First Peter chapter 1, verse 10, 11, 12, 
are the same is really the same passage that we read in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 24 through verse 27. Now uh, I also wanted to take a look at 2 Corinthians 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and he says uh, in 2 Timothy chapter uh, I'm sorry 2 Corinthians chapter 3 he says uh, seeing then that we have such hope we use great plainness of speech and not as Moses which put a veil over his face now you see in Colossians things were not understood in the Old Testament that's what we read in chapter number 1 in 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 10 we read about some prophets who were prophesying things that they desired to look into what they were talking about, but they just weren't able to see it. Now, this passage of Scripture is saying the same thing. He's saying when we preach, we use great plainness of speech. The doctrines that we're teaching are plain. They're revealed. The thing wasn't done in a corner. This thing is open for everybody to see, for everybody to believe, for everybody to reject. These things are plain and open. Seeing then that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech, and not as Moses, which put a veil over his face, that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished. So you see some great uh, typology here. When Moses came down off the mount, his face shone, and he covered his face uh, with a veil, and he says that he covered his face with the veil because his face was so uh, uh, shiny that the people couldn't bear to look on it. And, and so what Paul does in the New Testament is he uses that veil as a typology uh, of the children of Israel not being able to see the end of the law. The, the end of the law uh, is that the law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. The righteousness that is in the law cannot match the righteousness of Christ. Following rules cannot make you equal to the rule giver. Matter of fact, a rule giver is only going to give you rules because you're not living up to, the, to his example or to his merit. And so if he is the boss, if he's in charge, if he's the ruler, if he's the king and he... Well, wants subjects that live up to his standard, then he gives you raw, uh, laws, rules, and regulations. So the children of Israel couldn't see that, and it's typified in the veil of Moses. And so they couldn't see that the law was given to them to condemn them. They thought that the law was given to them to justify themselves. If I follow these rules, then I'll be justified. So he says, but their minds were blinded for until this day remaineth the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. So these are the very same things that Paul has been uh, uh, saying in Colossians that Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 1. Uh, it's a very clear uh, teaching that the Old Testament was not only a book of the law and a book of rules and a book of harsh uh, living conditions and rigid uh, religion. It wasn't just that. It was put there to prepare the hearts, and man, the hearts of man for when Christ would come, 
pay the sin debt required by that law and restore men's hearts to himself, restore man's minds to himself and retake a man's place as God's son. And so he says in this place, he says uh, in Romans chapter 1, separated unto the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh. Now, if we read that without the parentheses, it would be like this. Now, a parentheses, if you find something in a parentheses, that's an interjected thought. And if you want to get a very clear picture of what's being said in the passage, certainly you read the parentheses because that's very important. It's just as inspired as any other part of the scripture. But if you want to get a clearer sense of what's being said, Remove the parentheses and go back and read it. Separated unto the gospel of God concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. The gospel of God concerns the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be the son of God with power. So you have the promise of a son and you have a declaration of power. And these are very important things. We're going to stop here about 25 minutes. It's just a few minutes short, but we'll pick up next time with this uh, promise and a declaration. These are very wonderful things to look at. These are um, foundational doctrines, foundational thoughts when dealing with the gospel, when dealing with preaching, when dealing with being a witness, uh, whether it be in your workplace or on the street or wherever the place might be that you do your ministry. These are very foundational things that you'll need to study and restudy and study again, become very familiar with uh, because the power of God, the, this very chapter that we're studying says that uh, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because that gospel is the power of God unto salvation. So what a great power we're dealing with when we're dealing with these subjects. All right, we'll stop right there and we'll see you again in class number three.